You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. And I'm James. Join us as we journey into beekeeping while we learn to be the change, one hive at a time. Today we're talking about checking for mites, treating for mites, and giving a midsummer bee yard update. Let's get after it. Well, guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for uh, tuning in. It's uh, it's midsummer here, and uh, here in Ohio, we're going through a little bit of a Darth, uh, and uh, we're actually we're just coming out of a Darth, and we're What's just a Darth, Greg. I'm glad you asked. Darth is a, a point in time where you've got uh, less pollen and nectar sources available, so there's less forage for the bees uh, to go after. So, like here in Ohio, we'll have a, uh, a spell where we've got a good late spring, early early summer run, and then there's some you know tree pollen and, and, and flowers uh, in the early part of the summer. And then when we get here into like August, um, it gets a little bit dry uh, as far as how much pollen and nectar is available, and that's called a Darth. So you're saying just because we're in a Darth, somewhere else they might not be in a Darth? Exactly. Right now, uh, here at this point in time, we're in a Darth, but other portions of the country might be in full bloom of clover or um, something else. What's the opposite of Darth? Vader. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It'd be the flow. No. Okay. Yeah, the flow is, is I guess, is what... Uh, beekeepers refer to as the point in time where uh, the bees are bringing in nectar and they're bringing it into the hive and they're starting to cap it off and those are the really really exciting times and we're getting close um, so here in Ohio we've got uh, we've got the the early goldenrod some folks call it the false goldenrod I've actually heard of people in southern Ohio showing pictures of their goldenrod in bloom yep and from understand it's not the goldenrod that uh, is the of the fall flow which is like late August yeah into September Um so right now, there that pollen is available. Um, there's a lot of chicory um, out there, ironweed uh, mm. here here locally, and so it's real pretty. You know, right now there's um, there's you know when you when you drive through Ohio right now, you'll see a beautiful yellow and you'll see white from like Queen Anne's lace and yarrow. There's a purple flower. The in the purple there's I don't the know what that is there's the dark purple that's just coming on. That's the ironweed. Oh okay. And then there's that lighter bluish. Almost purplish flower, which is chicory. Oh, and that's okay. On, and bees love that. That's that's out a lot right now. Of course, there's still white clovers that carry, you know, are carrying things through. Um, so that's that's kind of uh, what's uh, in bloom right now. And um, I'm sure there's there's been all kinds of developments in our bee yard since last time we got together. Yeah, I would say so. How's uh, what is the welfare hive? Yeah, how's the welfare hive doing, Jimbo? Yeah. Wow! Uh, since last time we talked, it's um, it's it's actually gaining up some momentum. Um, it's still not where I would have liked it to be at this point, but it's actually moving in a forward direction. I'm still not sure how it's going to fare going into uh, fall and winter here, but you know we'll see. Uh, since the last time we talked, uh, a, a new queen had emerged in the welfare hive. Uh, if you don't remember, the welfare hive was where all my bees kind of drifted off into the other two hives. And the queen never took. So I pretty much had a queenless hive and very few bees in this hive. To start with, from from the package install. From the package install, yeah. They, they pretty much, most of them drifted to the other two hives. And so I was a bit worried about that at first. And like I said, I had talked with you about it. And, 
you know, we came to the conclusion of, you know, taking a, bur- a frame of brood from one of the good hives and putting it into the welfare hive. And we, you know, when I did that and uh, eventually a, a new queen, a new queen emerged from it. And so it's been slowly, slowly building up. Um, you know, like I said, it's not to where I like it. So I've been moving the frames around to try to get her to start because they weren't filling out the outside frames at all. Yeah. And so I eventually had to move the frames around so they'd start filling those up. Um, I think we're, we're, you know, pretty much middle of summer here, and I'm just starting to see the box getting close to filling up, but not enough for me to want to throw another box on top. So it's still a single box? Still a single box, yes. So, I mean, that's where I'm at with, with that hive. The other two hives are doing beautiful. I've thrown bo- uh, second, you know, boxes on top of the, each of those. The honey super. Yeah, the honey supers. Yep. So two out of three hives have honey supers. Uh, the third hive still has it's just a brood chamber at this point. Yeah. Um, and my honey. And last time I checked, my my two hives with the honey supers, they're getting close to needing a third box. So that's probably what I'm be looking at doing this week is possibly throwing on another box on top. Um. It's been interesting so far seeing how the Carnolians have been uh, reacting to things. I, I've, I've noticed this, and I've seen this other in other Facebook groups uh, about this about the same breed as where uh, you know when you ent- when you first enter the box, and no matter like how calm you are and from where you approach, there always seems to be one or two guard bees guard bees that are just ready to come right after you. They'll sting you. Or try to sting you, and the rest don't care. A couple guards are gonna bump you, give you a warning, and yeah, and some sting. Yep. Um, I I got I, I probably had about two stings so far this year. Uh, the first sting didn't do much to me. The f- se- second sting uh, made my hand swell up. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty big. But I think part of that reason was I left the stinger in too long because I walked from the uh, the hives into the house to find a to find a um, tweezer to pull the stinger out. And, you know, you know, think about it, you know, after the fact, you know, maybe I should have found something a little bit more immediate, like a credit card or something, and try to fling uh, it out. Did you have a hive tool, tool with you? Yeah. Jinx. Personal jinx. No jinx. No, no jinx back. <laughs> That's what I do. If I, get, if I get stung, the first thing I'll do is take my hive tool and just press that, that venom sack out. And then the next thing that I do is I'll look for plantain, which is a weed round leaf plantain um, and I'll take a leaf of that I'll chew it up and get like a slobbery plantain mix and I'll put that right on top of the sting and it takes the sting away almost immediately and it also helps to draw out that venom yeah the longer you leave it in and the worse it's going to be and you're waving around a target sign hey come sting me with that pheromone and that venom sack in there I always scrape it with my hive tool and then I had a friend make me some sweet comfrey salve and I just put a little bit on there yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a pretty good salve. Yeah, it is a good salve. One thing, so if I'm in the bee yard and that happens, I'll use the hive tool, get the stinger out. I'll grab some plantain, chew it up, put it on it, and then I'll, um, I'll wipe that off. Then I'll actually take my smoker. I'll just smoke smoke the location of the sting. In case there is any kind of a pheromone or, or venom in there still, the smoke helps to just mask that scent so I'm not like a, you know waving around a come sting me. Please yeah, and you know, thing. this last time that I got stung in the hand, I when I went up to them, I didn't have my suit on and I didn't have a smoker. It was just you know, I'm like, 
I just need to change their, sh- their sugar water out. Yeah. I'm not here to inspect them. I've you know? done that. And I'm like, I'm not going to, and I'm like, I don't feel comfortable just getting a suit on and doing the whole get up just to change the sugar water. And plus for me, it's like building up confidence. Like yeah. I want to get to the point where I'm not wearing a suit. Right. So if I do small little jobs without a suit, you know, and having to need it, you know, I don't see the point of lighting a smoke or just to change out sugar water. And that's what where it got what me. What was the weather like that day? You know, I, I'm trying to remember what it was like that day. It, there was, it was sunny out, maybe low to mid eighties. Okay. Cause I've noticed mine are um, like, I, like, I, like, like, like you're talking about there. We don't usually, um, well, if one of the kids are changing the syrup out, then I always just ask them to put a suit on. But if it's just me, you know, I've got a way to do it and I'm comfortable with it. Uh, but what I've noticed is if it's um, if it's raining in the morning or it's getting ready to rain or it's been raining for days and I go to do that, they're always a little more always a little more agitated and want to kind of fly out and let you know they're they, and don't, I, they don't like you open them up. And I will say it was a seven o'clock at night, so oh, yeah. that makes yeah. a big difference. That's, that's huge, yeah. But I was like, yeah. that's the time. Sometimes you can't choose to do no. it when you want to do it. You have to do it when you have the time have to so do much it. Time, yeah, yeah. So they you know that they you know. Yeah. Would it, should I have done it at noon, preferably? Yes. Yeah. But well, you know, that's just get, not what I was dealt that day. Is better than not getting it in there at all. Exactly. Yeah. You know. So well, that's cool. So you've got two hives that are getting ready to uh, add a second honey super on. You've got one um, hive that's that's playing catch up because it was without a queen for two weeks uh, longer than everybody else. Really, in the grand scheme, because they had to draw out. Took seven days to draw them a new queen. Seven days for her to hatch, and then another two weeks to go get mated and come back. So it really, it really actually, it's almost like four weeks behind um, all your other hives. So if it, if they're actually almost filling out an eight frame hive, um, that's actually I th- I would think pretty good. What do you what do you think, Dan? Yeah, I think you're doing pretty well because we're we're not on goldenrod yet. So if you can right. get a box stacked on top and let them start to draw off that comb, they'll have that they'll have those frames drawn out as goldenrod's coming in, and then they can just start laying, laying up the honey like crazy. You oh, might yeah. be able to pull some for yourself. Especially if, you're, if you've are if you got double honey supers on your eight frames. Yeah, I mean, that'd be nice to pull some honey out for the during the fall, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, There's not, you have really options. If you have that much honey storage, you've got options. If you do need to pull a couple frames from those other hives to give to that welfare hive, mm-hmm. that's always a possibility. Right, so you know, maybe I have to sacrifice my honey for the welfare hive, and that's that fine. Worth, I mean, that would be great. If you you know, I think that'd be a really smart move. You know, I haven't you know I haven't checked the bees in about ten days right now, and they're getting really close to needing checked. Where are you? I hope with, I'm not going to find any any surprises. Yeah, as far as uh, speaking of surprises, um, have you have you tested or checked for uh, any kind of mite loads, and what do you plan on doing about it? So I haven't done it yet, um, and this will be my first mite check. Uh, and honestly, I just you know I've been a busy, busy you know July for me. Yeah. And I just haven't had the time to do a proper mite check, especially for my first one. Um, so now for me, it's gonna be figuring out. I might be a little bit precocious doing it. Let's play. Guess how many mites Jimbo is gonna have in his hives. So the the typical thresholds are based on X amount of mites per X amount of bees. Mm-hmm. So, like for this time of year, you know, you want to you want to have the your overall population of your bees. You want the mite ratio to be less than one percent. So when you go to check your bees, and you're probably gonna if you do an alcohol wash, you're gonna have like a half a cup of bees that unfortunately you'll drown with alcohol. You'll shake up the container and then see how many mites you dislodge from the bees. 
So what do you think, without even going into there and looking, have you seen any evidence of mites yet? I haven't seen any evidence of mites yet. However, I don't feel that I have the trained eye enough to make that you know conclusion. And just because you, if you don't see mites, does that mean mites aren't there? No. They're there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, you're really good. I mean, they're so small. You know, it's not... It's not as if you're really if you going were to, to see the mites. Where would you see them at? The underbelly to start with. Are your are your, are your bees crawl around upside down? No, no. So if not you, normally. So if you have, <laughs> mine were all upside down last year, that wasn't fun. Me and uh, uh, our local buddy here, Sean Brown, uh, went to a mite workshop just to learn more about um, the life cycle of the mite. Um, you know what to look for, how to check, and then what to do about it once you have a certain amount of numbers. And one thing that I learned is if you actually if you see a mite on the top part of the bee, you have a lot of mites. You, you got problems because when when the mites uh, first come out of the, um, the the cap cells from the bees, they attach to the underbelly of the bee and feed on that area right near where the wax is deposited to get to the fat stores. So that's where the majority of the mites are at. It's typically not until those mites move from the underbelly to on top of the bee, on the top of the thorax, when the mites are actually So they run the out of real estate then? Yeah. So if you see mites on the top part of your bees, it's likely that they've already depleted the resources of the bee from underneath, and they're working on finding a new host or leaving the hive. Now, I know, uh, what is it, deformed wing? Deformed wing virus. Yes. And so... That's also a big sign of mites, and that's a way to gauge how there's It's a way to gauge it, and and the first year, that's what I used to gauge it, and I recently learned that if you're seeing deformed wing virus, it's very highly likely it's already too late. Yeah. Because if you have deformed wing virus, the the, the bees are actually suffering from the disease that the mites are injecting into the bees. Mm -hmm. And maybe we should, maybe we'll we'll have another episode. We'll talk more about a whole Sean Varroa. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's, you know, it's, it's, we're going to, we're going to split and and, uh, we're going to make a line in the sand here as far as folks who treat versus don't treat. But maybe we can go at it as um, maybe developing a better understanding as to what mites are and their impact on the hive. And then should you decide to do something about it, um, yes. What 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 steps you have, especially here going into the, into the fall, because if you don't, if you have a mite problem, and you go into the fall with with heavy mites, you, you can almost kiss your uh, your hives goodbye, unless you have some kind of a super bee that's resistant to mites. But um, that's a that's a show for another day. So, uh, Dan, what's how what what how's uh, things going in your bee yard? Where are you guys at? Uh, it's been kind of a little bit of an up and down roller coaster. Uh, I split off from those two hives all the way out to 10. I've uh, been going through. I ran out of five frame medium nukes. Uh, so I needed a few more. So I moved some of the larger nukes into eight frame mediums. They're filling those out great. Uh, at this point in time, almost all the hives have multiple boxes stacked. Do you have, are all your boxes queen rate? Uh, right now, yes. Nice. Uh, I went from 10 to 9, so yes. Uh, I ended up getting in a predicament to where I had one hive that just kept over and over requeening. Uh, it was one of the first ones made, or first splits that I made of the year. And uh, when the queen actually emerged, we were in that middle, or it started that 15 days of rain. And uh, it was actually pretty, pretty awful. 
it's been pretty tough weather for making queens. Yes, it was. Uh, so it it took almost about eighteen days from when that queen hatched to when uh, I saw my first queen or first egg, actually. So then, shortly after that, they put on another queen cell, and it's just been a cycle over and over. Uh, went through there a couple weeks ago, and I started noticing multiple eggs in the cells. And eggs that were actually stuck to the side walls of the cells. So after doing some research, I pulled out my ABC and XYZ a beekeeping book and started digging through that. I pulled through some of my other books. I think I went through Beekeeping for Dummies, uh, Kim Flotham's Backyard Beekeeper, and uh, I had a Lang Worker. The signs I gave it away was it can't fit his abdomen in the bottom of the cell. Since they were making their own queens and they were actually, they was going out, they was drawing down, uh, got to that peanut phase, and then they'd hatch, and this happened twice, and then I ended up uh, taking a frame of uh, eggs and larvae from another hive and putting it right there in the middle, and they didn't do anything with it. They let it, they capped all of it, so no let's, cells. Let's go back a little bit. So you had this particular hive that had a queen or that that, queen that that didn't you had a hive that did not have fresh eggs or larvae in it continuously no there was there was eggs and larvae in it continuously okay so there was a queen in there yes they went through and she was the one that uh they kept superseding the queen yes so then they would put on queen cells and then she would lay in it and then you would have new queens hatch yes and it was just it was just maybe one or two that hatch and I figured that there was something wrong with the first queen since they were doing it, since it took her a long time to mate. What the hive look like on the inside? I mean, was was there a lack of production in the hive? There was probably about maybe one, maybe one and a half frames of actual uh, brood in there. And she had places to lay. Yes. Okay, so she wasn't she, was she wasn't bound. actually filling out the cells. Yes, she was definitely not honey bound. And so I don't know uh, up there in Raymond where you guys are at, but down here we've had long spells of 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 rain yes. and cold nights, and so it's been it's been uh, really tricky to get queens back mated, um, and then also to, to to make brood has been has been a little bit chilly. It has been. Um, so, are you thinking your queen was just poorly mated? Well, I think the first time around she was poorly mated because it took her. Oh gosh, more than sixteen days. Okay, it was around like day eighteen to day twenty. So going to she it took her back. up to three weeks to go get made, and it was yes. probably weather related. Yep. And then so when she came back, she she what maybe wasn't fully. I I fertilized. she laid a little bit, and then okay. they immediately. I, so then they started on, to supersede yeah. her. Yep. By uh, uh, making cups, and then she'd lay in the cup, and they draw yep. the cup out into a cell, and then so how many rotations did 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 it did it go through where they made queen cells? That didn't emerge, or did they uh, emerge? The, sec- the second time with the new queen, uh, shortly after she hatched, we had that one night where it was like 50 degrees out, mm-hmm. and there was hardly any brood or hardly any bees in there to begin with, and I think something this happened was, okay, there. Okay, so it was a light. It was this, this this high we're talking about was a light split to start with. No, it was it was relatively heavy. But well, where did the bees go? They had that 20 days to where there was. No one length. So you got caught in between a brood got, cycle yes, where the bees were just horrible, phasing horrible out because of their time. age. Yeah. What month were you? What was this when you were doing this? Oh. This was like June, late June through July, wasn't it? I think so. 
because if you weren't if you were because you were what four weeks or so without a with, she was around but wasn't laying well yeah and they went through a couple of those cycles mm-hmm. like two cycles of it would be 14 days yeah and then that's shortly after that one had issues that's when i threw in a frame of eggs and larva from another hive to see what they'd do and they just let it all cap so something was amiss they didn't draw a queen so that's they did saying. not because so. they still had a queen in there, and they, they yes. okay. Well, supposedly. So, how did you replace the queen? I put that brood in there, and they let it cap, and then I went in. When you say they let they let it cap, uh, if I'm hearing that, I'm I'm thinking when they let it cap, you're saying they're they're capping off the regular brood in there. Are you saying they had a a queen cell that they capped? No, they let all that brood. They capped all that brood. They all the worker. Yep, they didn't draw out a queen. So or they anything. didn't draw a queen off yeah, there. Yeah, and they had fresh eggs all the way up to a couple days old larvae. So does that kind of indicate that they weren't quite ready to requeen that queen? I would say so. But, but then what happened? Oh, uh, it was probably yeah. The following inspection after that, I went through and I started finding uh, eggs in unusual places. Uh there was there was a couple queen cups that had three or four eggs in it. Hmm. Uh, the actual frame itself, the eggs were attached to the walls. So you think you might have a laying worker? I had a laying was worker. Was the queen in that box during that time? I I scoured that box high and low. I actually shook them all out with a queen excluder, try to find that queen. The queen was gone. Done. Yeah, so. I, I just want to dial, dial you guys back for a second here for our learning beekeepers here. When you say capped, what are we talking about here? So we have the egg stage. And then it goes into larva, and then it goes into pupa, and in the pupa, that's when they the bees will cap off that cell. So, are you saying they're they're sealing off the cell? Yes. Okay. So, and generally during that egg phase, they uh, if they need a queen, they can take that egg and put it in a cell, a queen cell, and they can draw out a queen like that. So instead of switching from royal jelly to the worker jelly they'll just keep pumping that larva full of royal jelly well, they don't even have to move it they can just go right to where it, and usually it's a yeah. one to one to three day old egg they can just go through it and start to uh, draw outward and then down and elongate in length that cell to make a queen cell mm-hmm. um and, and like an, an emergency situation uh to do that so you had a you had a hive it had a yep. queen she wasn't laying very well they started to make some cups um and uh, never made their own new queen. You added a, a fresh frame of brood to it, and they still didn't draw their own queen out. Yep. Why they had their queen still? Um, and then you added another frame of brood, and they decided to draw out a queen. No, I added another frame of brood uh, once I realized we had the lagging worker situation. Hoping and praying, I, I knew it was more or less going to be a lost cause after doing some research into it. Well, Dan, what is laying worker? Uh to it's from my understanding, and because I've done a good bit of reading on this so far, laying worker will come from when there is a lack of pheromone from the queen inside the hive, and since your worker has sex organs but they are repressed, that the lack of pheromone lets them mature enough to where they can actually lay eggs. But since they've never been on a marital or mating flight, they only have the eggs that will for drones pretty much because that queen will withhold the semen to make workers and or drones so you end up with a big nasty hive full of drones full of drones yeah and uh, one that i think one of the things that you'll see is you'll see multiple eggs in one cell and Mm -hmm. they won't be aligned correctly the one 
physical attribute of the queen is she has an elongated abdomen that comes to a point where she can fit herself right in the center yep. of a cell and lay a perfect egg right in the center, where a worker bee doesn't have that same uh, And that's why she's attaching ab- them to the walls. And, and so they're getting yep. kind of wonky and then laying it. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll still feed them out and do the whole nine yards, but yep. it'll end up being drones. So next thing you know, you have a whole hive full of drones. Which is not a bad thing if you want to do certain things. So what happened next? So I put a frame in there of, once again, of... Uh, young brood. Yeah, young brood. Eggs. Yeah. And... Nothing really came of it, so I decided to cut my losses, and I took that hive and shook it out in the bee yard, so the bees that will be productive will go move to other hives. Maybe go visit another hive. Yeah. So you had 10 hives, and then you shook out this uh, laying worker hive, and now you have nine. Nine, yes. So Nine that are queen right and laying and and looking good. Nice. So Have you done any... um, where are you at as far as pest management, and have you done anything uh, about tomorrow it? Tomorrow is our alcohol wash day. Okay. Uh, time has not been on my side the last few months. Uh, I was able to get through, and we did uh, oxalic acid sublimation, and all the hives got a little, got a treatment of that. So, so what do you expect? So, oh, real quickly, we never yeah. played. Guess how many mites Jimbo? Oh might have. yeah. <clears throat> how many I think mites if, you want to have, Jim? What do you think, Jimbo? Hmm. I like to hope that I only have a couple. <laughs> okay, two. Dan? I'm going to say four. I think if you do an alcohol wash and you have a half a cup of bees, which is about 300 bees in there, I, I think I'm going to go with, well, I, it looks like everyone's having a pretty low mite year in Ohio this year. Yeah. So I would say probably two to four. Okay. For for Jimbo. Dan, what, what, how, what kind of mites do you think you might have? Uh, probably right now, since we did OA not that long ago, uh, I'm going to say it's going to be relatively low, maybe one to two. Yeah. So a lot of them still had a little bit of capped brood in there. Yeah. So some did escape getting vaporized. So uh, when I came out and visited your yard there, was that the first time that you, you've you done uh That was the first time I've done. Acid? Yep. You want to you briefly it, it was a give us a rundown on yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, I, I got a... Uh, a silk acid wand. Pretty much you hook it up to a car battery, put it in the bottom of your hive, and it takes the uh, silk acid powder and takes it and actually turns it into a... a it looks like a smoke, yeah, but it's actually a liquid that's then turned crystallized to my understanding. I think it's a, it's a physical crystal that gets... Because you, you can kind of see it boiling, so it's going into yes. a liquid... And then that liquid goes into like a gas format. So I think that's why you use the word sublimation. And yes. then it, it, we're talking about vapor. We used to, People used to call it vaporizing. Yes. But there's smarter people than us that know the difference between gas and liquid and solid matter to say that it's actually sublimation is a more, yeah. more accurate term. Whatever way you call it. Yeah. So we I'll, used you used that there and talked to us about like, you know, briefly what steps you took. How many boxes you had on? Were all the bees in there? Were the bees gone? So I did it. Uh, I started morning, and uh, I made the mistake of thinking, like, oh, this will be like an hour-long process for 10 hives. Definitely not an hour-long process. Uh, it's like 10 minutes. <laughs> per. It, uh, it was, uh, well, I made the mistake to where I would uh, treat one hive. I'd pull the wand out. And I'd let it cool enough to where I could put the acetic acid in there and it wouldn't start vaporizing. And then 
I'd throw it back in there, but whatever bees touched the wand immediately died because it was still too hot. So it probably turned into about 20 minutes per hive. So 10 hives. It took a little longer than I thought. And honestly, I'm I'm at the point to where I need to evaluate what's more important, time or money. And depending on if I get more hives, where I'm going to be at with as much time as it takes to treat them. Especially on when I go into the uh, fall treating regiment of doing three cycles. So, so everything, all your hives have had a treatment on it. They're, yep. they're productive hives. They've got they're they're making honey. They're looking pretty good as we start you know winding down. This you know to, we're here we are in August and it's time to get ready for winter. Uh, so we're waiting on a goldenrod flow to come in to make the last fall run, and then we're starting to wind down and uh, get everything, um, you know, kind of ready for winter. Yeah. Well, I can see it through the window right now, but how's Mr. Burns's bee yard doing? Well, so far, so good. We've definitely learned a lot from all the mistakes that we've made last year. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, our local buddy, uh, Sean Brown, and I went to a mite workshop, so uh, we were able to kind of take that knowledge and actually get a for real uh, count as to the, the mites that we had here. So um, we started off with, I think, I think six, uh, six nukes and uh, through making lots of splits, the kind of the fat bee man way where right now we've got uh, 22 hives out there. 20 of them are, are queen, right? And two of them have uh, cells that are getting ready to merge. It's pretty late uh, to making splits. Um, I got to get in the bee yard tomorrow uh, and kind of see what's what. And I'm probably going to make a few more late splits if I have cells, uh, queen cells that are capped, just so I can get a better grip on how much time I have left in the season to actually make a, a split to actually get it through the winter time. Um, so I'll be looking at some different methods on overwintering smaller hives um, versus some of these uh, other hives that are doing uh, pretty good. But um, right now on those 20 hives, I've got five of them with supers. Um, and the rest are just filling out. So I'm actually, you always hear uh, the fat bee man saying, you know, you're once you get into this style of beekeeping, uh, you won't be able to make boxes fast enough. And that's the truth. I'm, I'm flat out of boxes right now. And I've got to man, kind of manipulate the boxes that I do have and uh, get busy building boxes so I can get um, some super stacked on what I have and get them ready for the goldenrod flow. Like we were talking about, we have the early goldenrod that, that's on right now, but as most folks indicate, it's, it's kind of the false goldenrod. It's not the protein-rich, desired uh, pollen um, that is in the, in the later species of goldenrod, which is the really important flow here um, in Ohio. So, um, like I, we were talking about in, in some uh, previous episodes on we were making splits into uh, queen castles and keep them into a smaller space, That's that continues to work out really well, and that's what I'll use and kind of bank on for making these last uh, splits of the year. But, um, yeah, so we've gone from six up to 22. 20 of them are queen right. Two are getting ready to come on. Uh, tomorrow i got to go through um, my uh, my boxes, see if I have any more queen cells. Um, if I do, to decide how many splits I'm going to make, if any, and then start stacking supers on. Um, after we went to uh, that Veromite workshop, um, I... Uh, got proactive and went and uh, and tested two of, of the larger hives um, for mites. Real similar to you, Dan, I also had a queen um, that wasn't uh, mated very well. Yeah. And um, 
she started the hive was nothing but i probably had 800 to 1000 drones in this hive mm-hmm. that was all drones and um, i actually used that for heat and for the workers that were there uh, to kind of feed and nurse kind of an experiment that i did um, for the first year uh, grafting um, some of the queens so we had our first go around um, at grafting and it was a it was a major fail and a lot of for a lot of reasons, but we actually made some queens. Did you learn anything out of it? I did. And we so sh- was and it really a failure if you learned something? It's, no, never. I, you know, the, my, my take rate was very low, I should say, rather yes. than it was a fail. I learned a, a, an awful lot. Um, so that was that was neat. So now I've got a hive that has, you know, one of my first grafted queens in it, which is kind of neat. I, I still don't think it's grafting is necessarily an appropriate measure for making queens at my context until I'm needing to sell, you know, 10 hot 10 queens a week or more um and that's probably not a very fair number it's it seems like it's way easier and more effective to make splits the other way using uh, cap queen cells but uh so those are doing those are doing really good we did the the mite check and uh the hive that had all drones had zero mites in it and then uh, the other hive that i checked uh only had two mites in it um so According to what uh, we had learned at the Veromite workshop, I'm still well under the less than 1% um, uh, for the ratio of population from mites to bees. So, you know, all the studies are showing that at, at this point, it, it's not actionable uh, as far as the, the amount of mites that I have. I'll continue to monitor those and my other hives as well. Um, and then if I get to a point to where I'm anywhere between where I am now and actionable, um, then I'll have to make some choices as to exactly what it is that I do about it. Um, but, um, you know, it's interesting because all I've done this year was ran essential oils for the first month, like in June. And then uh, we're using small cell foundation, small cell bees. Um, and I'm using sumac and comfrey in my smoker. And I've got uh, the two hives that I checked are zero and two. So I'm not saying small scales or small cell bees are the answer. Um, but, um, you know, right now I'm I'm really happy with um, the health of our bees um, without having to to treat them yet. But if they get to the point where they're going to need treated, then you can be sure I'm I'm going to uh, you know make some tough choices and and go a certain way. So if I do um, if I do have to cross that bridge, I've got the equipment to either um, mix up a salic acid with uh, Everclear. Um, and use it in a fogging method, which uh, some folks say is less effective. Some say is as effective. And I also have a, vap- a vaporizing wand or a sublimation wand that I could use, um, you know, should I need to. You know, there, we'll talk about this more in future episodes, but there's lots of information as to the effectiveness of osalic late in the year. Um, that there, there might be other things that we want to use that include essential oils. Um, and other products um, to um, to help with that. And there's there's formic acid and other things that we can kind of do. But um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But we are at a point to where um, we're, we can't afford to take losses like we did last year. Um, so if it means being preventative and using osalic to keep the bees going into the winter so we can come out of the winter into the spring with bees, then we're, we're definitely going to do that. So um, the bees are healthy. They're, they're, they're doing what they do. They're, like Don says, they're, uh, they're doing the two things that bees do, um, and that's multiplying and storing honey. So that's that's kind of where we are, and we're gonna have to get on the ball and start making some more equipment because we are flat out hit a point to where we we're we're having some growing pains. I think maybe we need to do another little community build of ours, or it's, just have a hive party. Yeah, I think it's gonna have, we're gonna have a hive building party here. I think real soon, and uh, worst case, you know, through this winter, so we can get 
you know, not only us, but other folks who have, are also having some growing pains, yep. get them some, um, some box build. That's the fun thing about having the community here is that, you know, we can do, we can, we can learn, you know, there, there's us three here in the podcast. Sean Brown is real close to me as well. We've got, we've got other guys um, in Ohio that um, we're learning. Everyone, we're all doing things a little bit different and we're all learning from each other. We can get together. We can hang out. We can talk about it. We're not afraid to admit when we failed, share where, where we have some success, you know, talk about the context in which we're finding all of these things. And then it's, 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 you know, it, it's a, it's a fun community to have. Um, and let's face it, guys that, you know, folks that keep bees, we're all just kind of weirdos anyways. <laughs> I mean, you know, so it takes a special kind of person anyways to kind of do that. But, um, yeah, so that, that's where we are here in the season. The next time we get together, we're, we're going to be in goldenrod time. Yep. And we're going to be, uh, you know, separating and spinning out uh, in any fall honey or any spring honey that's that, that, that we're, you know, catching up to us. So, well, a lot more to kind of talk about too, with uh, mite checks and treatment and honey spinning and all kinds of uh, all kind of stuff. So. We should have some interesting updates next time. Oh yep. yeah, we will. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, thanks again for uh, tuning in and checking us out. Follow us online. Uh, we're on Facebook. Like, share, comment. I want to know what you want to hear. I want to see where you guys are at with your bee yards right now. Yeah, let us know what, what you're yeah. doing this time of year to get ready, how your bee yards are doing. And, and don't be afraid to share where you've lost and where you feel like you failed because we, we all can learn an awful lot from that. Oh, exactly. Yeah, no matter where you're at, we like to see the differences and, you know, where everyone's at, bike counts, whatever. So uh, thanks for checking in. As always, keep it contrary. Be the change. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Good one, Dan. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You decided to listen to us again. We're not that awful. Or are we so awful that folks are actually tuning back in to listen? Is this kind of like a train wreck? You know you're not supposed to look, but you have to look because it's really bad. I think it's a lot like that. Exactly. I can see it. Exactly.